BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This is the Simi Sarah Show On Demand. Subscribe now on iTunes. Listen to the show each weekday 10 to 2 on 980 CKNW and through the Radio Player app. You can still buy the world a Coke. It's just going to cost you more in B.C. starting July 1st after the budget on Tuesday. Finance Minister Carol James unveiling that pop tax. So this one kicks in July 1st. Canada Day. Happy Canada Day. You'll have to pay more for your carbonated beverages. Now, I remember the debate on this thing. It's been going on for years. They always said it'd be like a sugar tax, right? Like you want to tax sugary drinks because sugar is bad for you. What they've unveiled here, though, is a carbonated beverage tax. So it doesn't matter if it's got sugar or other kind of sweeteners or artificial sweeteners. You're going to pay the same. So you'll pay extra for your diet drinks, too. But we're going to get into the whole pop tax debate right now. I got both sides of it for you. Dr. Tom Warshawski on the line. He's a pediatrician. He's the chair of the Childhood Obesity Foundation. Hi, Tom. Good morning, Mike. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for doing this. Also on the line is Chris Sims, Canadian Taxpayers Federation. Hi, Chris. Good morning. Thank you to both of you for doing this. Tom, let me go to you first. I remember talking to you on the radio years and years ago about this idea. I mean, you've been campaigning for this for a long time. You must be a happy man to see it come true here now. Well, fairly happy. What we've been campaigning for, not just our organization, but almost all the major health charities in British Columbia, is that the exemption to the PST be removed for sugar-sweetened beverages, sugary drinks. The the actual tax measures announced uh, earlier this week is not quite what we had asked for, because I think, as you pointed out, uh, diet drinks are also going to be included in the removal of the exemption. And there's a, there's a rationale for that, but that's not what we were proposing. We were really after that the, the PSD exemption be removed from sugary drinks. Right. What is the rationale for taxing diet drinks? I suspect, because we've met with finance before and they've asked this question around uh, uh, you know diet drinks and, and whether or not it should be also... Uh, part of the net that's captured when you remove the PSD exemption. Going back historically in terms of exempting foods, necessities from the PST, is the premise that these are necessities of life. And for hydration, the necessity of life is is water. And across BC and Canada, we have a great hydration source available for free. That's water. The other stuff is somewhat of a luxury good. It's not uh, an essential. So the GST applies to uh, non-sweetened beverages as well as sweetened beverages. So this this move by our province really just goes in alignment with the rest of the country. Okay. All right, Chris Sims, your thoughts on the pop tax? Well, we just think this is unfair, and it's kind of goofy how they're applying it. Uh, as you pointed out, and as the doctor points out, uh, this supposedly sugary drink tax is being applied to drinks that don't contain any sugar. That includes, say, a diet cola that uses aspartame. It also includes some of those fancy pops that use things like stevia or monk fruit in them. And it also doesn't include drinks that have a heck of a lot of sugar in them. So, for example, 
there's a bit of elitism that works into these taxes. It's kind of a form of food snobbery. It's where people say, you shouldn't be drinking or eating that because it's bad for you. And so I'm going to tax it almost as a form of a sin tax. But when you break it down, it often affects the poor and lower income much more often. And I can give you an example. So say you've got that fancy mocha latte from your fancy coffee shop. That's about $6. A yeah. lot of people with high means buy some of those things every single day. It has exactly the same amount of sugar as a can of cola for about a dollar twenty-five at your local corner store. Marcy's Mocha, no tax. Clark's mm. Cola, he gets a tax. Why? Because people look down their noses at people who drink pop. So they're the ones mm. that get the tax. So Tom we do think it's fundamentally unfair. Dr. Tom Warshawski, what do you think of that? Well, I guess I, I disagree. Um, in terms of the extension of the PST to include these different products, I think my conversations with finance is just how able they are to do it, how able they are to implement it. And I think yeah. this was an implementation issue as opposed to snobbery, to be honest. The other issue is one of what type of taxation actually decreases consumption. And if you were to levy an excise tax on products, which is the type of taxation which provinces can't do, but federal governments can do within Canada, that type of, of a tax should be implemented across the board. So in, in that way, I agree with Marcy in terms of all products that have excessive amounts of sugar should be, um, I would say, captured by the tax, and then, and then it's an equal playing field. Let me ask you this, just generally speaking, as the chair of the Childhood Obesity Foundation, and I don't think anyone would argue that child obesity is, is not a problem in our society, because I think it, I think it is, what is, give me, the, give me your, case, your take on sugar, like overconsumption of sugar, and especially sugary drinks by kids, and what kind of health impacts and, and is that uh, inflicting on our society? Well, we know that sugary drinks have unique properties, and there's a strong scientific consensus about this. The problem with sugary drinks are those calories don't register as food, and they don't induce satiety. So when you're sitting down to eat your pizza, and you have a glass of water, you'll eat two pieces of pizza. If you sit down with a glass of a carbonated sweetened drink, you'll still eat two pieces of pizza, and you'll get those extra calories in the beverage form as well. Generally, those extra calories then are saved as excess body fat. And incrementally, if you do this you know, two or three times per, per week, you're going to get increase your body fat mass. And that becomes a problem when you get too much of it. So for children and youth, we're beginning to see a much higher incidence in fatty liver disease, something which you can't just tell by looking at somebody, but because of the properties of the fructose that's in the sugar, it actually induces fatty liver disease and, and elevated liver enzymes. If the unhealthy weight continues into adulthood, then we get increased risk of type 2 diabetes, heart yeah. disease, hypertension, stroke, and 13 different types of cancer. So there are huge health impacts. As a clinician, when I see kids in the office and they have uh, an issue with an unhealthy body weight and I do my history, if they're regular consumers of sugary beverages and I can give them that advice and they're able to implement that and decrease their sugary drink consumption, I see return on investment. I see the, the BMI begin to normalize within a month or two. So it's very okay. dramatic. Mm. Okay, Chris Sims, would you, you know, is bringing in a tax a good way to improve the situation? No, because we have studies that show this doesn't work. So while we completely agree that childhood obesity and adult obesity and uh, this general problem is a major issue, we absolutely yeah. understand that. Our point is, is that taxing the stuff doesn't work. 
So, for example, in Mexico, it famously brought in a a nationwide pop tax or soda tax, as they call it down in the United States. And while initially we saw consumption dip after the tax started, after a little while, it bounced right back up to pre-tax levels. So people are still buying and consuming the same amount of sugary or sweetened drinks in Mexico, but the tax man has more money. So all this... BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ultimately does. While the, the intention they say is good and hard to argue against, the result is the consumption stays the same, but the government just ca- takes more of our money. Okay, Jennifer and Poco. Hey, I, um, I, I agree with the tax if it made sense. Um, I'm wondering, are we taxing things, cause, drinks that have bubbles in them, or are we taxing drinks that have sugar in them? Because bubbles. there's, a, there's oh. a heck of a lot of stuff out there that has a lot more sugar, or a lot of sugar, even milk. Milk no. products, chocolate milk, that has a lot yeah. of sugar. Or, yeah, right. Um, like the previous caller said, coffee drinks. Um, I use a soda stream at home. Are you going to tax my soda stream canister because it puts bubbles and things, and so does the machine, <laughs> and so do the syrups. The syrups add sugar. Or if I opt for a non-sugar syrup, am I going to be taxed on that? Okay, Chris, break it down for me. Will you? It's, a, it's a bubble tax, right? It's bubbles. It's, it's both. So okay. I, I talked very in-depth with the government about this during budget lockup. So... Starting with pop, anything that comes out of one of those pop towers, you know, when you fill up your own cup, the moment you use one of those pop towers, it's taxed. It doesn't yeah. matter if it's iced tea, Diet Coke, full-on Coca-Cola, full of the sugar, or even Minute Maid, okay? But uh, if you buy it from a store, your bottled Minute Maid will not have a tax. Oh. So if it comes out of the, the pop tower, all of that is taxed. Also, interestingly... Anything that comes out of a drink vending machine, except for coffee vending machines, you know, the ones where you stick your cup down and it fills it up with a button, anything that comes out of a vending machine that is mixed, like it includes pop and water and juice, every one of them is getting this tax. So if you go up, Hmm. theoretically, I imagine if you go up to a Coke machine and you buy a bottle of Dasani water, if they also water, offer Coca-Cola in that machine, your Dasani water is getting a no, sugar tax. No, no. Are they going to tax water? That's as far as I understand, and it's as oh. how the law reads. Now, oh, t- they might want to go back and change that somehow, um, but when it was explained to me, they said anything out of, out of a pop tower or anything out of a vending machine, okay. except for coffee, um, is taxed. I also asked them, I said, what about, same thing with chocolate milk. And they said, yeah. we would only tax the chocolate milk if it came out of a fountain machine. Oh. And I said, that's gross. And they agreed. Ooh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tom, what do you think about that? Should they put a tax on chocolate milk, too? 
Well, this is we're talking about the provincial sales tax now, the, yeah. the government measure, and I think it's really a problem with implementation, how you actually do this in a way to capture as many products as possible, knowing that there'll be some products that shouldn't get captured that do and some that uh, that should and, and aren't captured. Yeah. So that, that, is, that is a problem, and uh, I, I guess the government has to work that out in conjunction with the various stakeholders. Okay. In okay. terms of chocolate milk or sweetened yeah. milks. Milk is a little bit different from the traditional sugar-sweetened beverages because there are other elements, other uh, aspects to milk in terms of the protein and the fat slows down the absorption. So you don't have that negative metabolic effect I talked about earlier in terms of mm. satiety. So it's not a target for a specific sugary drink tax. Okay, Steve and Delta on the open line. Hi. Steve. Pop is very bad. It you know it, It's got so much sugar in it, but... Anytime I get taxed by the government, I, I just, I don't like it. I mean, there's a lot of other ways they can do it. They can go to the manufacturers and make them lower their sugar content, which will ruin the taste of the pop, and then people will buy less pop. You know, just hitting the taxpayer, people are going to buy it anyways. It just means there's going to be less money for people mm-hmm. to buy healthy food. You know, what about chocolate bars? What about candies? What about gum? You know, that stuff is pure sugar. You know, okay, what, about okay, sugar, what about sugar cubes? Tom, you know, let me go. Let me go back. Let me go back to you, Tom. Thank you for the call. Uh, Chris made an earlier argument as well, similar to this caller, Tom, saying that it's not going to work. It's not going to be effective. In your experience and knowledge on this issue, is it effective at this kind of tax? Well, well, again, two different taxes. So the the provincial sales tax, there's no evidence that that is going to change consumption because you're not going to see any price differential until you've actually looked at your receipt. So there's no evidence and no one recommends that as a, as a way to shift behavior. The rationale to take the, the sales tax, uh, put the provincial sales tax on these sugared products and the ones that the caller just mentioned in terms of chocolate bars, etc., the sales tax already applies to that. So those sugary uh, products are already being captured. But these mm, products... I don't think so, actually, drinks, sir. I don't think it applies to snacks, right? Uh, oh, well, I don't know. It's the GST. Uh, the GST applies to that as well, but I, I, I'm not an expert on this, to be honest. Yeah. I, I thought that, it, and if it doesn't, it should, to be honest, uh, because those are not those are not essentials. Okay. But in terms of the literature around the efficacy of a particular excise tax, which only can be done at a federal government in Canada, uh, I guess Chris and I would have to agree to disagree on the, what the literature shows. The, right. um, she mentioned Mexico, but also Berkeley, San Francisco, other cities in the States have done this. Chile's done it, and it's been done across the world. Generally, what you see is for every 10% increase in the price of the product, you see a corresponding decrease, a slightly less decrease in, in consumption, a shift towards uh, okay. purchasing uh, uh, healthier beverages in terms of water. And I think one of the things that people should take note of is big beverage spends uh, spends in the U.S. roughly $20 million per year fighting these taxes, fighting soda taxes. They do that for a reason, because because they know that soda taxes threaten their business model. Uh, interesting that the doctor brought up Berkeley, uh, because based on what I could read from that same study, uh, people then upped their caloric intake elsewhere. They, they okay. offset it. So the, the argument is, is even though you can implement these sort of taxes or diversionary measures, that people's consumption of their calories will always bounce back up okay. to previous levels, and that it's education that changes people's choices for what they put in their mouths, not taxes. Let's go to Paul in New West on the open line. Hi, Paul. I think the question's already been answered, but what about carbonated water? There's no flavoring in it, just plain carbonated water. It's only sin it's got bubbles in it. 
Chris, is that going to be taxed? From what I understand, and again, they could go back and fix this, but from what I was told by the department, yes, if it comes out of a vending machine or, you know, if you're at the bar and the bartender's using one of those kind of um, guns, like a soda tube gun, anything that comes out of the tip of that gun is also taxed. Ruth in Port Moody, hi. Hi, yeah, I'm uh, completely against the tax. Uh, I I think, you know, like, if you just look at uh, society as a whole, right, like you've got liquor, cigarettes, uh, you've got all sorts of vices out here that are taxed to the max. And while people might be quitting, I, I agree with the um, the tax lady there that it's uh, more about education and they really have to push, uh, I think, okay. a lot of uh, education on the whole thing. I, I think okay. the tax is just a tax grab and it's nothing more than that. Ruth, thank you for the call. We just have a minute left, sadly, guys. Tom, how would you respond to that? Like, it's a frequent argument. Just educate people and make them make their own, let them make their own decisions. Your thoughts? Well, the studies I've seen show that the combination works best. So education is useful. It's, it's necessary, but it doesn't take you all the way. That combination of both uh, education plus a price disincentive really does nudge behavior. And again, the pop companies want, they, that's what their argument is. Just educate, educate, because they know it won't okay. seriously affect sales. That okay. combination education tax decreases sales and we're all better off for it. Chris, you want to sum up? You got 15 seconds. This is going to take $38 million away from British Columbians once it's fully implemented. We've shown studies that it does not decrease behavior and we fully support educating people, especially kids in schools that we already pay for. Tell them there. Thank you guys for a good discussion. Dr. Tom Warshawski, Childhood Obesity Foundation, Chris Sims, Canadian Taxpayers Federation.